Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. It's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Monday, March 30th. My name is Jake Luke, and uh, I am joined uh, by still quarantined Spencer Schultz. What's going on, bud? Nothing much. Hold up. Playing a lot of COD, wrecking a lot of Netflix, doing the same thing many of you other Americans are doing. I've been big into the old Call of Duty this past week. I believe apparently 127 million unique users. You got to hit me with that GT, man. We got to squad up. I keep forgetting. I'm going to send it to you right now. Yeah, but, text it to me. Um, yeah, just got a dub today. My first dub playing some. Uh, oh, wow. Must be money. nice, man. Huh? Must be nice. Yeah, I have won one game in about 100 and I think 14 matches so far. So my win to loss ratio is looking good. I don't think I've even gotten close. I mean, I never even did with or I kind of did with Fortnite. I would do the thing where you like hide in the bushes and then there's five people left and they all just know how to build like freaking joseph the carpenter or something on it it, it it was just kind of a mess so it's not translated over well to Warzone, but i'm trying Warzone, I'm, I'm starting to get dirty i officially am starting to get a little bit dirty uh, but yeah so clearly we're going crazy but playing some games having some fun ravens somehow day after like almost day after day feels like every three days are giving us bits and Information and signing positions, and uh, we see that happen again today. And yeah, it's somewhat helping to get us through this tumultuous, boring time. But uh, hopefully, the Ravens end up making the right moves. Been a ton of swinging going on, and we saw another move just happen about an hour ago. Eric Jacosta, content king. He is the content king, truly. So big shout out to EDC, the great uh, Prince of Massachusetts, for blessing us with some some stuff to read and think about and talk about yeah funny enough this is actually our second go of it full disclosure we had a intro um to the interview that we're going to be running with chris Orr that we had earlier today a very fun interview about 45 minutes uh we're going to be tacking that on after this stuff but we had initially kind of just been waiting for chris and we in the meantime were kind of just discussing what had happened over the weekend or prior to the weekend with Michael Brockers and that deal falling through. Uh, He failed a physical that, you know, pulled up some concerns on a potential high ankle sprain. The Ravens tried to get the number down after they figure that out. Uh, Brockers kind of wasn't having it. So he went back to the Rams for more money, weirdly. Um, So, yeah, that, that was kind of a weird way to go into the weekend. Yeah. So it's interesting for Brockers because, You know, he went through that entire situation, the failed physical of sorts, the ankle concerns. And, you know, the Ravens have caught in some some uh, flack from a couple different people basically trying to accuse him of like operating in a shady fashion. But it's more a product of this time, the coronavirus, you know, social distancing, all that good stuff. They weren't able to bring him in and get it done quickly. He also just he also just failed a fucking physical like, you know. It's not yeah, always on the it would have been faster. It would have gone a little bit more like open if they could just be like, oh, hey, you know, come on in to the facility. We're going to have our team doctors give a, give you a look, see real quick. And, well, you also uh, you just you get a lot of like 
kind of loaded language out there of like, oh, they failed his physical. It's like, no, they didn't. He failed their physical. Exactly. Like that's where the accusatory stuff is kind of annoying. Exactly. And sure, maybe there was some buyer's remorse, but certainly a bum ankle could have something to do with that. Uh, The Ravens end up bringing in Derek Wolf on Saturday today when we're recording this. And I mean, call it what you want. I don't really care. Football is a business. Free agency is a business. The players want to hit free agency and get the big bucks. Cry me a river about Michael Brockers, you know, getting sent back to the team that he was playing with and getting more money. So he should really be thanking the Ravens in that situation. Uh, And then bringing in Derek Wolf, a guy on a one, one year, $3 million guaranteed base contract with incentives up to $6 million. Uh, I think he compares extremely similarly to Michael Brockers with a similar physical profile versatility to play the three tech or the five tech. He's a little bit, maybe more of a five tech while Brockers might be a little bit more of a three tech, uh, but spin it however way you want it run stuffer. I think Wolf has more juice and is more mobile overall as a pass rusher and brings playoff experience, a Super Bowl ring, you know, guy who's been there, played in the big games, played aside from Von Miller, uh, the same way Brockers played across from Donald. So very, very similar players. They were even drafted about, I think it was 28 picks apart. Maybe it was actually 32. I think Brockers was 14th overall in 2012. Wolf was 36th, if I recall correctly. Um, So very, very, very similar players. The Ravens end up getting one for way cheaper with way less commitment. So again, Eric DaCosta just making lemons out or making lemonade out of dog shit. I don't even know how other way to spin it. Um, that was a, maybe the worst analogy I've ever heard. Not really. I mean, taking bad situations, it's again, second straight year free agency, you know, goes a little awry, starts getting, as soon as he starts getting some criticism, instantly flips it into something good. So good to see EDC continuing to work. feels like, you know, he's relentless and that's what you want out of a young, able front office executive is he spry or is that something you say about older people he's still spry i think he's spry okay spry eric DaCosta. yeah okay spry. he's spry yeah so right player definitely right price he's sprung t-pain okay right player definitely the right price at that three million dollar figure you mentioned maybe could get up to six depending on incentive uh stuff that he's got going on there um healthy only really concern i mean he's only played in 16 games once in you know, three times has played all 16 games just once in five seasons from Zurich. in the past five seasons. Yeah. Past five years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's turned out uh, three seasons of 16 games and then I think he's never played in less than 11 games. So okay. little, I, I was just, I was just reading Zurich's tweet to be fair. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. But he, so he missed four games last year with a dislocated elbow, seven sacks in those uh, 12 games that he played though. Um, 68 and a half overall grade from PFF pretty much lines up perfectly 68.4 towards the run and 67.7 towards the pass about six foot five. So him and Campbell are going to be batting a lot of balls down. You got to think for sure. They are massive men. Uh, basically just brings a little more experience and I guess ability than Chris Wormley. So in the end, it looks like they just upgrade Chris Wormley a little bit. And Wolf is interesting. He qualified as an edge for the first couple years of his career, according to PFF, uh, and then has kicked inside a good bit more. So from 2012 to 2014, he qualified as an edge defender, turned in two really stellar seasons where he rated top 10 and then top five in 2012 and 2014 as an edge defender. Then the Broncos have kicked him inside as he's gotten a little bit older. Uh, In 2015, 2016, 2017, he was playing some really good football with his career best grade in 2015. And then uh, a little, yeah, like you said, a little injury history there, but did end up setting his career mark in sacks in 2019. So figures to bring more juice between Campbell, Brandon Williams returning to his natural nose position and Derek Wolf. And then, I mean, still it would be smart to bring in another tweener. that can play some three tech, play some five tech, play some edge or some five tech, someone like that and really fill out this defensive line, maybe via the draft. Yeah, man. Um, it's a very, interesting situation i think with all that had happened with brockers but just kind of a perfect scenario because he's a guy who has been linked with the ravens going back like multiple years i mean there were trade rumors i think the last two years with him at the deadline they finally go ahead and lock him up and uh, it's for good money and uh, like you said it's making a good situation out of a bad one with just what just occurred a few days ago so uh yeah it seems you know like a perfect fit 
Yep, and people forget about Dalen Mack a little bit, see what he can do. He had some really good numbers in his final season at Texas A&M as a pass rusher. And Jihad Ward might be a guy who can come in and play some of those five-tech snaps and move around a little bit as he seems to really be able to play. I mean, he was playing nose guard in Indianapolis, and then the Ravens were having him play edge uh, this past year. So all across that entire defensive front, tons of versatility. Ravens, Wink Martindale, love those positionless defenders. And... I would expect them to acquire a couple more in the draft and then really round this defense out, find themselves a middle linebacker. Uh, And I I mean, I guess I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't, but we ended up hosting one for an interview today that, you know, we ended up kind of throwing the D word destiny uh, around with and seeing if, you know, it feels like us, what he said would feel like a Cinderella story uh, with Chris Orr being linked to Baltimore, obviously because of his brother, Zach Orr, who he had glowing things to say about the Ravens organization and the way that they have treated Zach after that really unfortunate diagnosis that he ended up with, which was, I mean, really just such a crazy situation when you think back about it with Zach Orr playing in the final week of that, you know, meaningless game against Cincinnati ends up sustaining a neck injury in that game. And uh, at first the preliminary reports were, you know, he'll be okay coming back. And then Jake, you had touched on in our interview saying that, you know, in the span of a couple days there, it went from, all right, the Ravens are extending Zach Orr to Zach Orr will be retiring. Um, Shout so out to Chris, JLC for the stellar reporting on that one. Yeah, of course, as usual. Um, but yeah, so he took us through that whirlwind and then a bunch of other things. But I mean, Chris Orr would be a great fit in Baltimore. We got into that. And, you know, finding middle linebacker is now that final piece, probably two of them, I would think, uh, that final piece to adding a complete defense, as well as, you know, maybe just another upgrade to some depth through the draft. So should be some interesting times to see how this defense ends up looking by the time September finally rolls around. God willing that uh, the football gods are able to shine in September and August and all that good stuff with the ongoing pandemic situation. But, you know, hopefully those two situations end up being resolved by then. So we're going to get to the interview. What, in your opinion, is the next move? Is there going to be another signing? You got 10 million in cap space draft is next month. A couple guys still out there on the market. Everson Griffin uh, being thrown out there a little bit. Uh, some other dudes still available. Some of the wide receivers have been coming off the market. But what, uh, what would, would your next move be if you're to Costa? So that 10 million now right around that area, I mean, I guess they have to pay the draft class about seven to eight million of that. I don't know if it's factored in some websites factored in whatever, but I would think they try to add one more veteran, whether it's an offensive lineman, someone uh, maybe it ends up being someone who gets cut at a later date or something of the sort. But uh, I would think an offensive lineman and maybe one more depth piece, Everson Griffin. I don't know what his deal is. I don't know if he would want to come to Baltimore. People will talk about him being a hand in the dirt defensive end versus a, you know, stand up outside linebacker, but that's irrelevant to me. I don't, the Ravens don't, I mean, you can have him go play defensive end. You can have him stick his hand in the dirt and passing downs. And he's a hell of an athlete. I'm sure he would be able to play out of a two point stance, just the same as a three point stance and able to do some different things. Um, so who knows? The Ravens don't just come out and play a base three, four. They're only in that about 10% of their snaps this season. Um, but yeah, I would, I would think more of a less well-known signing as the final piece. And I wouldn't be shocked by a trade acquisition of a player probably along that defensive front again. So it feels like, you know, Brockers saved him a little bit of money and Brockers is going to have a $12.5 million cap hit in 2021 and in 2022. I'm sure they'd be able to save some face in 2022 at the end of that contract uh, and recoup most of that money with a little bit of dead money if they were to cut him then. But uh, much less commitment with wolf allows them a little more space this year and then a little more in the coming years and we'll see what they end up doing yeah for sure um you got anything else no we have a really fun interview with chris Orr. um we didn't want to try to get into i mean if you go look up chris Orr, who was a start the starting mike linebacker three down linebacker at wisconsin this past year if you go look up interviews with him he has a really great story of his football family his dad was a super bowl champion Uh, two times with the Redskins. His uncle played in the NFL, obviously his brother, Zach. So everyone always asks him a billion questions about that. So we tried not to get too, too into that and try and keep the spotlight on him as someone that I personally feel has been crazy overlooked. You didn't didn't really mention the fact that he's been overlooked in the interview, though. I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, we didn't get into that at all. Didn't even say he was overlooked at all. But um, yeah, so removing the sarcasm, he has definitely been overlooked. That goes back to high school. Um, he said that, you know, 
colleges were coming up to him, telling him, you're too small, and then regretting that immediately as he started six games as a freshman and has been on a whirlwind, gave us some insight into his brother's axe injury and everything that happened with that. So we had a really fun time with him. We appreciate him coming on the show and uh, see if we can get some more prospects. I hit up James Lynch from Baylor and a couple other guys to see if we can maybe sneak some of those mid-round guys looking to uh, talk some football and see if they can get themselves out there a little more and uh, try and get a couple more of those before draft season's coming. There's nowhere better to raise your profile than on here. I mean... Yeah, we're the best, man. So, yeah, ton of fun with uh, Chris. He's a really good dude. Going to be rooting for him no matter where he ends up. But we do hope it's going to be here one way or the other in Baltimore. Um, And it seems like the interest is uh, pretty mutual on that front. So uh, without further ado, we can go ahead and throw it to Chris. Um, And this is going to be a Monday episode. So we're going to have a couple other fun ones for you. Got another interview lined up. Don't want to totally throw it out there yet because uh, it's not all the way locked in. But uh, it's going to be. Uh, a media figure who is very smart that we're both big fans of. So hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, but for now, please enjoy the Chris Orr interview and we'll talk to you in a few days. See ya. All right. We now welcome on a very special guest. It is a NFL draft prospect who is, uh, going to be entering the NFL draft in maybe the weirdest time uh, possible. So great timing there, man. But, uh, you know, that's that's a tough situation for sure. <laughs> it is uh, Chris Orr, um, Wisconsin Badgers linebacker, going to be, like I said, entering the drafts. And, uh, yeah, he's the man. What's up, Chris? Uh, not much, man. Not much. Appreciate y'all having me on. You got it, brother. So starting off, something a little, you know, simple and fun. We like to keep it light. We're a huge movie and TV guys. Um not, you know, potential NFL players, as you can probably tell by my voice. Um, but if you were to be uh, stuck on a deserted island and you could only watch one movie and you could watch one TV show while you were there, what would it be? They be. Ooh. We could my. even change this to, let's say, however long this quarantine goes, you can right. only watch one movie and one TV show until the quarantine's over. What are you going to stick with between the two? If there's if one movie, I'll say, ooh. I'll probably say uh, Lawless. I love that movie, Lawless. Oh, um, mainly just because it's like it's like a brother's movie, so I, I love that. Um, if I had to choose a TV show, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big like nature documentary guy, so if I can watch Wild Russia all the time or something like that, I, I, I'll be happy. Big Planet Earth guy, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shark Week, Planet Earth. They're bumping Shark, Shark Week's Week. The best. They're oh, bumping yeah. Shark Week up this year because of the quarantine, I think. I love it. I love it. I need, I need to go ahead and, and see when it's airing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be soon. So stay tuned. That would be uh, that would be perfect. Um, but getting the obvious out of the way, you know, we went back, looked at a couple other interviews you've done and stuff. And uh, everybody always wants to ask you, I mean, you come from a spectacular football family. Your dad, mm-hmm. a two-time Super Bowl champion with the Skins. Your uncle was in the league. All three of your older brothers played football at a really high level, obviously. Former Raven, Zach Orr. Um, this is a Baltimore Ravens podcast. Everybody knows his story. I just want to ask you, how the hell did you survive as the youngest with three older <laughs> brothers like that? I mean, it had to be competitive. You're the youngest, so you got to be. I was the youngest too. Yeah, we both have older well. siblings, so yeah, we're we're kind of all three of us in this oh, chat yeah. are the are the youngest, so we feel for you. But my brothers were uh, not exactly you know high level football players like that. So how competitive was your household growing up, brother? Oh man, everything was competitive, you know, to uh, who's going to hurry up and get seconds at dinner. Um, we competed like no other on the field. We was always competing with each other in workouts. Uh, it, it mainly be me and Nick. We would have like our team workouts in high school. I was always trying to compete with him, um, beat his times or whatever. It never really did, but, you know, it, it, it molded me into the player I am today and the person I am today. Were there other sports in the mix or was it kind of always football where you're always going to be strapping the pads and the helmet on? Um, we did just about everything, to be honest. Um, yeah, we did just about every sport, except I didn't do baseball. I know uh, Terrence and Zachary did t-ball when they were younger, but we did just about everything else, to be honest. But football was always the main focus. For everything sure, and I'd, I'd seen you. Could, busy. Okay. Yeah, we was just staying busy with everything else. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel you. And then, I mean, growing up, you were the last one. I'd seen you previously kind of say that your dad – Never really your your family in general is never like, hey, you're going to play football. But if you wanted to, you could. Was there ever any doubt in your mind that you were going to end up strapping on shoulder pads and a helmet when you were younger? Oh, no, there, there was never any doubt. I was always eager to hurry up and get in pads. Um, you know, when you're younger, you got to play flag football. But my brothers, 
was always, you know, uh, ahead of me. And I'd stay after my flag game and watch their games. And, you know, I was just anxious to hurry up and put a helmet on and put some shoulder pads on and, and get to it. For sure. And I mean, it's a lot of hard work. Like, it's a grind. Oh, yeah. You know, it's easier said than done. What do you think kind of motivated you to be this great? Was it just kind of always there? Or was there a moment where the lights just kind of clicked on? Um, I would say it was always there. It was more so I developed a love for the game. Um, I think I love the, the mental side of football. You know, there's the mental and physical side coming together. There's a mental strain when you're out there on the field to um, anticipate a play and, and, and put everything that you've been seeing all week on film together and then shooting the gap or getting off a block or whatever and making that big play. So I've always loved that, and that's what keeps pushing me to – you know, watch at your film or, or work even harder in the gym. And then also, you know, just growing up with my brothers, you know, they, they always exceeded high levels of football. And uh, being the youngest, you know, you always had those doubters, you know, come to you and, and tell you, you you wouldn't be anything like your brothers or whatever the case is. But, you know, I was always eager to prove them wrong and, and prove myself right, mo- most importantly. And also, you know, I always wanted to surpass my brothers. Yeah, yeah for sure. Really- and it seems like there was a lot of doubt going on in general. I mean, you end up going to DeSoto High School, which is a football factory. Guys like Von Miller mm-hmm. coming out. I think there's like 14 NFL players, something like that. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, obviously, was your teammate, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. a little younger than me, but you can tell he has some greatness in him. That's a decent high school <laughs> team right there, yeah. Yeah, you two, I mean, him on one side, of, I'm sure you guys probably play both ways, whatever. But, um, yeah, it just seems like a general theme and something we're going to get into with a couple other questions, but I mean, at DeSoto high school, you end up having 374 tackles and 13 forced fumbles over the last two years of your career. You're playing against top level competition. I mean, Texas football, there's nothing else like it in the country, in the world, really. You're playing against Kyler Murray doing stuff about against guys like that. You end up being a three-star recruit. How the hell does that happen? I mean, do you look back on that and laugh thinking like I was performing at the highest level against the best competition and then people are still doubting you. Oh, yeah, I definitely do. Um, out there on my recruiting, you know, guys used to, recruits used to tell me, like, if I was uh, two inches taller, I'd, I'd probably have an offer. And <laughs> I'd have some teams come to me and say, if, if I was willing to commit right now, then I had a scholarship, but they wasn't just offering me. And, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely heard it all, you know, from the, from the doubts of my size. But, you know, I, I ended up going to Wisconsin in the greatest school in the nation, playing in the most physical conference and excelling there. So I kind of laughed at everybody that, that uh, denied me a scholarship before. Um, and, then, and then even when I was there, you know, people used to tell me, like, man, we messed up not offering you or whatever the case was. And, you know, it, it kind of made me laugh, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I bet, man. I mean, that's got to be kind of funny kind of annoying in some ways you know being passed over oh for, yeah it was definitely annoying for something that minuscule like a couple inches like that would really piss me off um oh yeah size is not a skill exactly well tell yeah. that to <laughs> some women but um so <laughs> <laughs> had to get that in there you just put you stocked into malone right there i just jammed that down but so you were teammates with chenault we, we mentioned there What's what's the breakdown on him from your perspective? Has he always kind of been that angry with the ball in his hands? Like, what do you think he's kind of taken to the next level? I think uh, everything that he does is ferocious. He does everything with a, a vicious and a, an attacking mindset. He's always been like that. He's always been extremely humble. Um, he was he was like on JV when he was younger, and, and we would tell him, we would even tell our head coach, like, man, this, this guy needs to be on varsity, like, he, he he on scout team and he's he's wrecking our, our defense. So um, we always knew he had the greatness in him. He was always a hard worker um, and remained humble the entire time. You know, he was always humble. I think that's the that's the most praise that I can give him is that you know he's one of the most humblest people I know. Him and and even our running back at Wisconsin, him and JT, you know they 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 mimic each other a lot with how humble they are. Yeah, man. When yeah, I was awesome. uh, when I was JV as a senior, everyone was like, "Man, this guy's got to be varsity." You know, we got to bring him up. <laughs> in every sport <laughs> just waiting for your chance yeah i was just waiting for a call up you know i was just like throwing gas and like a ball and it's like we got we got to bring this guy up at some point <laughs> he's getting a little old yeah man moving on to your journey at wisconsin when did you know what was that exact moment where you were like ah oh, i'm gonna be a wisconsin badger like this is the place for me i'm going to camp randall um i'd probably say when i took a when i took my unofficial visit up there in the summer 
when I went up there, uh, the love was genuine. It was genuine throughout the entire program. Uh, even when you talk to the players, that's probably that was the biggest thing for me because you know you know that coaches come and go. It's it's a business. You don't commit for a coach, whatever the case is. But the the rich history and tradition of the program, you can see that that was alive and well, and, and that that was something that was never going to leave. And also the fact that. You know, they, they never cared about my size. You know, they had Chris Boylan come through there who was shorter than me. So I knew that, you know, they, they wasn't going to be too worried about my size and that I could I could come there, play, and, and excel. So I like that breakdown. Um, are you a beer guy at all? Not really. Not really. I'm not really a beer guy. Um, I was going to say, the Spotted um, Cow, I got to know. Yeah. Have you have you had the Spotted Cow? Yeah, yeah I've had the Spotted Cow. It's, it's smooth. It's, it's smooth. I, I like it. Yeah, I've kind of wanted like to it. check that out. Nights out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, they're they're way into it, and I kind of get jealous when people talk, you know people talk about going there. It just sounds like so much fun. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah I they mean, love, they love the beer out there. Yeah, for beer sure. Beer and cheese. Yeah, and they they like their linebackers too. Apparently, because they got guys like you. They got Schobert. You mentioned Borland, T.J. Edwards, Ryan Conley, mm-hmm. Vince Beagle. When did you know that you could kind of be on the level of some of those guys? Um, I would probably say my freshman year. Um, it was during camp when I kind of got my opportunity because uh, TJ actually uh, went down for a little bit with a little minor injury, kind of held him out for a few practices. And um, Leon Jacobs, who's with the Jaguars right now, went down as well. So I was taking first-team reps against the first-team offense and, and excelling. And I would have, like, Schobert and Vince come up to me and even Mike Caputo. Those were the leaders of the uh, defense at the time. And Caputo was a madman. Oh yeah, Caputo was crazy, man. Caputo was the heart and soul of that defense, um, and, and and they would come to me and tell me like, man, you you got it, man. You, it, it's in you, like you, you're a great player, you're a heck of a player. Uh, you get the playbook down, and, and you're gonna help us out a lot. So them coming up to me and telling me that, you know, let me know that, man, I can I can excel here. I can really play at a high level here if I just keep doing what I'm doing. Exactly, and I would describe you as a guy. I mean, I've gone back and watched a lot of your tape. And I would just say you're a guy that plays with confidence and it allows you to have some patience. And I think, you know, you're able with all those guys in that linebacker room, you ended up earning six starts as a true freshman, you know, 18 years mm-hmm. old going through that year. I mean, you had a damn good freshman year. What was your biggest takeaway at the end of that year? Looking back kind of like after that first season. Mm, I would probably say that uh, if you just uh, football is football, to be honest, that, that was the biggest thing that I took away from that. Um, from my first game, I would probably say after like my third snap, I realized it like, man, this is just football. Like just play. You know, some people get nervous when you get to the next level, but you know, I, I never really had that. You know, I played in in big games in high school and stuff like that. So, uh, Desoto did a great job of preparing me from playing big big time opponents like Kyler Murray and, and that Allen team for those years. Um, and then when I got into camp and, and excelling, then we played Alabama. Uh, my first game, I played like two and a half full quarters of that. So um, getting in there and playing and, and making a few tackles let me know, like, oh, man, this is this is just football. Like, just relax and, and do what you do every day in practice. You know, your practice is going to carry you over into the game. You make these plays in practice, you'll be confident, calm, and, and collected on game day. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that had to be a ton of fun getting six starts as a true freshman, you know, at a Big Ten school. It's got to be pretty sick. But your sophomore year, oh, yeah. you tear your ACL in the first game of the season. I've had an ACL meniscus. I know how much it all sucks. But mm-hmm. what about that recovery time do you kind of take away as far as helping you grow as like a person and maybe even a player too? Did you kind of sharp up the uh, mental side of the game? What, what was that whole process like? Yeah, I would say um, as a player, that, that season helped me out. Um, more than a lot of people might know because during that time I basically became a, a GA. Um, I was breaking down film during the week, uh, meeting with our coaching staff, going over our defensive game plan. During the game, I was charting plays for uh, our DC at the time and my backer coach, Justin Wilcox, who's the head coach at Cal now. Um, it helped me out a lot, man. I was able to see um, our, how we put together a game plan, how we would like to attack an offense. Uh, what were some of the soft spots in our defense where teams might want to attack us, uh, where we need to sharpen up, what's the hard stuff to do on each play. That's probably the, the biggest thing. Like if, if you're in a particular coverage, what's the spot that, you know, they can probably take advantage of, but it's more so going to be a, a matchup deal instead of a, a scheme deal. So that, that year helped me out a lot as a player. And then as a person, it, it humbled me a lot. You know, I couldn't walk for like a week or two and, you know, it, 
it humbled you because we did like children hospital visits every Friday or something that we do up there at Wisconsin for the home games. And I, I did all of them that year. Um, you know, coming in and, and seeing the smile that you can put on those children's face and, and they're battling through stuff way more serious than the, than the ACL tear. It kind of just, it, it humbled me. Um, it, it brought joy to my heart and just let you know that, you know, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than football. You know, life is bigger than football. And if you can put a smile on somebody's face by playing football, why not give you all every snap? Why not give you all in rehab? You know, why would you sit around and mope about your knee? And it, it, it honestly helped me become a better person and a better man. That's awesome to hear, Chris. And yeah, it's it's about rebounding, not, you know, sustaining that injury. It's about becoming better from it. And you definitely are able to do that. And, you know, looking back at your career as a whole up through that point, I mean, you had those six starts as a freshman. You don't end up really getting a spotlight to show I can be, you know, a three down middle linebacker and not come off the field until this past year. You respond mm-hmm. having 11 and a half sacks as an off ball linebacker in the Big Ten for uh, Mr. Jim Leonard's defense. How much fun did you have this past year? I mean, the way that he used you as a looper, sending you on delays, getting a blitz like that. How much fun did you just have this past year being able to be a part of that crazy defense? Oh, man, it was, it was crazy fun. It was, it was stupid fun. Um, going into camp, I told our defense that, you know, whether we liked it or not, we was going to be one of the best defenses in the nation and we was going to do it with our work and practice. And Coach Leonard uh, told me that, you know, he was going to use me more in the pass rushing game just from uh, the development through spring ball and throughout all, all my years doing one-on-one reps with the running backs and even our offensive line. And, and it, it started to become a – a case where I was expected to win. And, you know, he said, we're, we're going to use you as that. We think that you can get to the quarterback and, and make some big plays for us. And, you know, the opportunity presented itself. And, you know, I just tried to take full advantage of it. Yeah, we were talking about uh, when you just absolutely crushed Justin Fields, who's probably going to be playing on Sundays. <laughs> um, do you kind of prefer that more blitz-happy type of defense where you got your nose on the ground a little bit, or do you kind of like to stand up and direct traffic a little bit more? Um, I, I like a combination of both. Um, I was I was directing traffic um, this year while still blitzing. You know, I still had to get everybody on the same page and then and then do my job. But I definitely enjoy getting to the quarterback. Um, there's a it's like a beautiful masterpiece when it all comes together and happens right at the right time. Um, and you you force a fumble or you get the quarterback right before he's about to make a make a throw that. You know, somebody could possibly be open, even if it's just a small window. But um, no, I, I enjoy it all. But I, I definitely, I definitely love getting to the quarterback. For sure. And again, I mean, looking back on this past season for you, it reminds me so much of the way your high school career concluded, where you had I mean almost 400 tackles, playing for a football powerhouse. You only end up getting three stars. You end up playing in the Big Ten. You know, premier top five, top power five, top competition. You end up having 14 tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks. I mean, you had a sack in five straight games as a true middle linebacker. You don't end up getting a combine invite. Why is it, Chris, that people keep ignoring your performance on the field? It's really baffling to me. Yeah, I mean, your, your guess is as good as mine. Um, all, all I had to say to those people is put on the tape, uh, put me on the field, and I guarantee that you won't see too many people playing better football than me. Um, if you sit there and talk to me about football, I guarantee that you won't find anybody with a sharper football mind than me. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that just adds more fuel to my fire. It's something that I'm used to. Um, Good. The greats in this game, the greats in this game have always been doubted. You know, Tom Brady was doubted, you know, tremendously. And, and he pretty much had the same thing as me. He played the premier Big Ten team, uh, win the sixth round. People wanted to talk about his build as a quarterback. And, you know, now he's, he's, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And you got guys like Mike Singletary, even even Ray Lewis was doubted some um, coming out a little bit. But I mean, if if you just if you just work and and you play football, you can show people what you can do on the field. You know, even though you might not fit their mode of a six four, two thirty, four four guy, whatever the case is. You know, um, that doesn't make you a good football player. You know, what makes you a good football player is your mental capacity to understand a game of football while adding your physical tools to that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
Dan Patrick, when he has big name quarterbacks on, he'll uh, do a thing to start them off where he reads like the negatives on their scouting report. So God willing, you're going to be kicking ass on Sundays this coming year. And uh, maybe we'll get you back on and uh, read some of that stuff to you to fire you up even more. But I mean, looking around at the position in the class, you got some heavy hitters, Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, Malik Harrison. I mean, you definitely posted some more stats, you know, than those guys, you know, to some extent, but they're good players in their own right. What do you feel separates you from them what's kind of your breakdown on you know some of those uh big name guys and uh, how do you feel you stack up um i think that you know what those guys do i think the guy that i was able to see the most was uh malik um he's a he's a big dude you know big physical backer that can that can move some so i think he has the the combination of everything that, that that's what's you know making him rise so much um i didn't really get a chance to watch too many other guys, but I watched uh, Patrick Queen in the national championship game. And, you know, he's a, he's a really good athlete. You know, he's a good athlete and then allows him to make some big plays. Uh, the Kenneth Murray dude, I, I didn't really see too many of his games, but I know he's a, he's also a big physical guy that kind of has, you know, each tool, all the tools, but, um, you know, those, I you know my, my hat's off to those guys, you know, they, they make plays. Um, they, they contribute well to their teams, their leaders on their defense. But, you know, what I think separates me is that, you know, I have, you know, each and every tool of the game. You know, I, I had double-digit sacks, double-digit tackles for loss, um, and, and a high numbers of tackles as well in the Big Ten um, as a true off-the-ball backer. You know, I wasn't rushing off the edge. I wasn't um, an outside backer in our 3 4 You're a true Mike. And, You're a true Mike. Yeah, for sure. A, a true Mike getting double-digit sacks is, is unheard of. And, you know, exactly. none of them, all of them weren't just, you know, free hitters. You know, I was – beating offensive linemen. I was beating running backs. You know, Playing through contact. Exactly. And I think that's just a, a an extra tool in, in, in my game, an extra tool in my arsenal. Also, you know, getting off blocks, you know, you have to do that in the Big Ten. You know, you're facing some of the best offensive linemen uh, in the game. When they come out, they're the sharpest offensive linemen, in my opinion. Um, and, and I think that helped me out a lot. So I think the competition level, the style of football that's in the Big Ten and, and for me to excel – at this level, um, no matter who we play, you know, I feel like I put on a good performance. For sure. And so Jake just kind of lobbed that one up for me. So we mentioned these three guys. These three guys are getting a ton of draft hype, Chris. Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, and Malik Harrison. Last year, you totaled more sacks than the three of those dudes combined. They're getting all this buzz. <laughs> yeah, so you had 11 and a half sacks, Chris. They had 10 and a half. You made 25 plays behind the line of scrimmage. You were mentioned in the Big Ten, and I mean, you're it, sure it might sound kind of biased from you because you played in the Big Ten, but you're not joking. I mean, your own school, Wisconsin, has nine dudes active in the NFL, I believe, that are offensive linemen right now playing ball on Sundays. Iowa, for example, has 12 active NFL mm-hmm. offensive linemen. You had more sacks than the three of those guys combined, and you're talking about you're a true Mike. So I, it just again, it just baffles me. You don't end up getting a combine invite. I think uh, I think Spencer is more pissed off about you being overlooked than you are by the sound of it. <laughs> I am, man. I'm not going to lie. It pisses me off. I just don't <laughs> understand it. And I'm going back watching the all 22, Chris. And just exactly what you were saying, you're playing through contact. You're not playing the will position. You're not, you know, running and chasing kind of blindly in some aspects. You're going through guys and making these plays. You mentioned, you know, you had these one-on-ones against running backs and stuff. What do you feel that it really takes to be a good three-down Mike linebacker like you displayed? What does it take at its core? Um, I think it takes an understanding of your scheme and an understanding of football, first and foremost. Um, you need to understand the different route concepts, the running concepts. You know, what are some of the weaknesses of your defense? You know, when will you need to um, shoot a gap? When will you need to get off the ball? Um, understanding the guys around you, the things that they do well, the things that they might need some help in that you can make up for. And then um, I think it's just having a, a good mold of each and everything, you know, getting to the quarterback, stopping the run, and being well in coverage. You know, even if it's not man-to-man, if you're not a blazer and you can't uh, run with the slot or, or run with the speedy back, you know, you need to understand that and, and uh, use your leverage um, to help you out. You know, I think it's just being smart. I think the smarter guys can play three downs. You know, it's not all about your athletic ability. It's about how smart you are. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, talking about what it takes to be a good linebacker, I mean, 
your big bro was a damn good one. We watched him for a couple of years here and uh, we were big fans of his. How much mm-hmm. has Zach kind of helped shape your game over the years? Has it been something where you guys have always sort of clicked and kind of built off of one another? Has it been where you're getting to the higher levels? You start to sort of talk shop a little bit. What is that kind of dynamic like between you two? I think it's, it's been a combination of that. Um, uh, Baltimore and Wisconsin have a pretty similar um, defensive uh, scheme. So we can kind of compare each other's film and he can show me what he would do in certain situations or um, sometimes what, what Baltimore calls things and, and, and how they play it. So, you know, it's definitely helped me out a lot. Um, he, he helps me out with little tips in my game. It's like you can be more aggressive than this or even it's just in my alignment. You know, he's helped me out with my alignment. Um, I used to be really tight to the line of scrimmage. Um, he's helped me to deepen up so you can expand your vision. You know, it'll help you make more plays. So, you know, he definitely helped me out as being um, personal help to me, a, a little personal coach to me. Uh, he watched all my games and, and would give me little tips at the end of them and tell me how I played and even some glaring plays that might have stuck out to him that were really well or something that I could have done better. So it's definitely helped me out a lot. It's definitely increased the um, the more levels I moved up in football. But, you know, it's definitely always been there. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's kind of a silver lining in a really difficult situation with Zach's condition. And uh, that had to be heartbreaking. I mean, not only for him, but for your entire family, I'm sure your entire community. How did you guys kind of learn to cope with that? I mean, I know you ended up taking on the number 54 to kind of be your brother's keeper and play through him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was definitely heartbreaking to hear uh, mainly because, you know, he was on the rise in the league. You know, everybody was, uh, starting to know his name. He was starting to get to respect that, you know, he rightfully deserved. You know, he didn't get respect coming out of college neither. And he was, you know, statistically, like, I would say statistically the best uh, linebacker coming out that year. Um, but, you know, he was able to showcase his ability and, and show who he was as a football player and, and as a person. And so it was heartbreaking to hear. Um, honestly, when he told us, we didn't believe it because, you know, he's a, he's a little bit of a jokester and he came in with like a little smirk on his face and we're like, are you playing like that? And then he, then it turned out to be true. Um, I think um, his strength and his resilience kind of helped us all out, you know, to, for him not, I'm sure it got him down, you know, really bad, but he never really showed it too much. He was always grateful that he even got the opportunity to play in the NFL and show what he could do. So um, his resilience helped us to cope with it a lot. And I, I just wanted to honor him. I knew that it was eating him up inside. He honored me in 2016 and told me that he was going to play for me that year and ended up becoming an all-pro. So, you know, I wanted to do the same for him, and and, and I'm going to do it for the rest of my career. As long as 54 is open, I'll wear it. Um, and honestly, you know, it, it, it kind of made our uh, family get a uh, extra piece of love for the Baltimore Ravens organization. You know, I, I can't appreciate that organization enough for how much they're taking care of him um, they'll always have uh, love from the or family for how much love they've shown him. Yeah, man. I mean, peek behind the curtain of being a Ravens fan. The day that it was announced a couple hours before the press conference, it came out that he had agreed to a contract extension. So we're all jacked up. We're like, oh, this is great. And then, boom, he's retiring. So, it, you know, it's obviously a lot worse for you guys, you know, with him being a family member and everything. But we were uh, kind of just getting into our, you know, prime of watching him enter his prime. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a tough right. situation. But like you mentioned, you changed the number from 50 to 54. And then you're talking about the similarities between Jimmy Leonard's defense over there at Wisconsin and the way they do things here in Baltimore. I mean, it kind of, you know, you don't want to throw the destiny thing out there, but do you kind of feel like it's a situation where you'd really prefer to end up here in Baltimore over anywhere else? Or are you just kind of happy to end up anywhere? Um, I'm happy to end up anywhere, but no, it definitely be, you know, it it would definitely be like a Cinderella story if if I definitely wound up in, in Baltimore um, there's already a, a strong connection between my family and them. Um, they probably get even more pride, um, me playing, especially if I could end up wearing his number, um, and, and him coaching me there, you know, there's a bond there that he can coach me even harder and, and probably speak to me even more and on a deeper level than he could any other player, any other backer. Um, I, I love their, their mindset of playing defense, you playing physical, you playing nasty and you playing hard. You know, that's something that we tried to, um, emulate at Wisconsin as well. So uh, it would definitely be a Cinderella story. You know, I'd be happy to end up anywhere, but you know, that, that would definitely be, that would definitely make me extremely happy. 
Yeah, and it almost feels like you were mentioning how Zach, I mean, he was at North Texas. He had all these stats. And like you said, ends up going undrafted. He is very similar to you, obviously. You guys are literally share the same blood, all that stuff. He's a complete linebacker, competent against the pass, able to play through contact, smart, patient, all of these things. And again, it's just why are people not learning about the Orr family and why are these guys being overlooked? So you, you need, to, you need to hire this guy as like your public relations like expert or like your agent or something because he is just trying to get that Orr name out there. I love it. Oh, for yeah, sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you go ahead. So you don't get the combine invite. You end up having your pro day at Wisconsin. You posted some fantastic numbers. I mean, any of your numbers, your short shuttle, all your agility, all your speed, all your explosion, 36-inch vertical, 4.65, they would have stacked up really well. So what was that whole pro day experience like for you? Um, I think you were able to kind of have your, if I'm not mistaken, your pro day was a little bit before the coronavirus situation. It got super serious, but take us through that pro day and what that was like for you. Oh man, it it was exciting. Um, I was happy to, you know, first of all, see all my former teammates back. Um, I hadn't, I haven't seen them in a while. So uh, it was exciting to see them, see all my coaches and, and see how they've grown. And even some of the recruits that I like hosted that ended up committing and signing to, to catch up with them. So, uh, that was fun, and then you know it, it was it, it was great, man. I, I knew what I was going to uh, do all that that entire night before. I was envisioning myself putting on a good day. Um, I was I was envisioning myself shutting up a lot of doubters. People thought I was, I guess, just a complete uh, bad athlete. I guess they just thought that I was a really smart player and with not much athleticism to me. But you know, to go out there and, and show what I could do. You know, it, it felt great. And, I, and actually, you know, I had better times uh, coming out from some scouts. So, you know, that that, that felt good. Um, some so A couple teams had me like a 4-5-7 on my 40. So, yeah, that made me feel real good. Uh, but, you know, to, to shut everybody up and show what I could do felt amazing. How weird is the situa- the whole draft process and situation right now with what's going on with the coronavirus? Man, it's crazy because... You know, you talk to some teams and they was wanting to get you out for a visit or another private workout or even uh, some of their like local pro days and stuff. And then um, you're setting all that up, you're planning it out, and then you know everything is kind of just shut down. And even your like workout facilities are shut down, so you gotta you know go to a park and, and do your own little workouts without any type of equipment. You know, it's kind of back to you know high school and, and junior high when you was working out and training. So. You no, know, it's definitely a little weird, but you know, I know the draft is uh, still going on. It's just going to be all uh, digital. Nobody's going to be able to travel or, or whatever the case is. But you know, that's it, it's definitely a little weird, and I'm, I know it's probably going to mimic a lot of the lockout years where everything was kind of combined and the, the season was pushed back maybe like a couple weeks. But you know, I'm I'm just excited to to be in this position. I'm, I'm blessed and, and humbled to even be thought of in in this draft class. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, at this point, is it kind of just a waiting game, waiting for April? Because it seems like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you're definitely just waiting around, um, excited about uh, what's to come. And also, you know, you're just training. You're trying to... And now it's time for you to get in football shape. You want to be in the best shape that you can um, going into camp, going into OTAs, and going into minicamp. Yeah, for sure. And jumping back to the Baltimore Connection thing, they have two stories with players that are kind of cool and you you mentioned the sort of destiny thing uh and it sort of mimics details from your life i don't know like how familiar you are with all of it but they had a right tackle orlando brown uh in the early 2000s mm-hmm. and he's since passed away but his son got drafted by the team a couple years ago in the third round and he's right now they're starting right tackle and then a similar situation with uh sterling sharp who he was a receiver in the early 90s he was forced to retire you know early due to injury and uh his brother shannon comes to the ravens and wins a super bowl so we're definitely uh hoping that that's kind of going to be the case here whether it's the you getting drafted at some point or maybe you just sign with the team ultimately we're really, really hoping uh if it hasn't already come across we're really hoping to see you come here and uh join in the ravens not if not for the cool story then for the fact then uh they do have some need at linebacker here uh and you know so you know run defense with some of the things that we've seen happen over the last couple of days with uh transactions getting nicks so uh it's uh, something we're pretty pretty pumped about man we hope you are too oh yeah i'm def- i definitely am um yeah, I think I think it'll be a, a picture perfect match for uh, the both of us. But you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And you know, I'm 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 just happy. You know, that's that's definitely a, a pipeline of 
Cinderella stories, you know, that could that could keep going with myself. So that's definitely uh encouraging for sure. Love it. Spencer, yeah, well, you got anything throughout else? Throughout this whole oh, go ahead, Jake. No, you got anything else, buddy? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, maybe guys will have to actually go watch the tape again throughout this entire process and the coronavirus situation. And when I'm watching you, man, I mean, I've watched all these guys we mentioned earlier and tons of linebackers. And like you said, at your pro day, for some reason, there's some weird, you know, thing out there that maybe he's not the best athlete, but you answered all those questions. And I'm just having trouble with anybody that, you know, all the, all the couch quarterbacks and all the people who like to get out on Twitter and all that good stuff. And it just is really puzzling to me. I have trouble. I've been asking people on Twitter, kind of, you know, tell me a reason why this kid's not a top 100 player in this draft. Cause I can't really find one. Um, so hopefully people go watch that tape. (laughs) Yeah. I I can't find a reason either. Um, (laughs) put on the tape, if you put on the tape, I think you'll see, um, one of the best backers in the nation, um, without a doubt. And and it won't even, you know, it it won't even be up for debate. You know, I think that those are people that are just looking at, um, all the other analysts saying stuff and looking at all these, uh, 40 numbers or, or whatever the case is. But, you know, when it comes down to playing football, you know, the only thing that lets me know if you're a good football player or not is what you do on that field. You know, what does your tape show? Um, and not your, like, potential. What do you have the potential to be because of your athleticism? You know, what do you have the potential to be because of your play style? You know, how do you play football? How good of a football player are you? How smart of a backer are you? How physical are you? Do you play hard? Are you somebody that's never giving up on a play? Are you running down plays 20 yards down the field? You know, that's what playing linebacker is about, getting off blocks the harder this defense no matter what you know even if you not even if somebody has a, a a leader you know at safety or even corner and even d-line you know they they might be the vocal and emotional leaders but at the end of the day you know defense is is driven through that front seven and with your d with your d-line you know eating up blocks for you you know you're required to go make these plays and get off these blocks and make these tackles behind the line of scrimmage or within two yards you know and are you doing that on your tape or not you know i, I don't think it's a hard question to ask to be honest i mean i'm, I'm not gonna lie chris there I, I think it was ohio state i can't recall off the top of my head but i mean i'm watching you even do things in coverage there was a tight end inline tight end that ran a crosser a deep cross and you stuck your hand on him you then turned put your head on a swivel and ran 35 yards downfield on a seam route from a slot receiver and not a lot of college linebackers are asked to do stuff like that, man. So like you said, I'm having trouble seeing anything other than a top 100 player in this class. And I hope people go put that tape on and see that because you deserve it, man. You're no matter what happens with you. I know for a fact, you're going to end up being a starting linebacker next year, 2020, this upcoming season. So, I mean, Jake and I were huge fans of you. We want to see you succeed and uh, continue carrying on your brother's legacy. And, you know, like Jake said, there's a need at linebacker in Baltimore. That would be a Cinderella story, but we're going to be rooting for you wherever you go, brother. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Absolutely, man. You're a class act. And uh, like he said, we're going to be rooting for you wherever you uh, wind up. Really appreciate your time and uh, best of luck throughout the rest of this process, man. It's definitely uh, a very unconventional way that it's going to be going down. So uh, wish, uh, you know, you the best of luck. Wish all the, you know, good health and all that kind of stuff to you and your family, man. It's a, it's a difficult time. And, uh, you know, having said that, we really appreciate you hopping on here with uh, us two idiots for an hour. <laughs> no problem, man. Thank y'all, man. Y'all stay safe too. All right, buddy. Later on. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, you too. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, God bless.